You know, I've been around a long time. I know how hard this is. From the political science department at UW-Madison. Am I exasperated? Absolutely, I'm exasperated. I'm Adam Wigger. This country's gone through tough times before, and we're going to do it again. And I'm Sam Beisman. This is more work than in my previous life. I thought it would be easier. And this is 1050 Basketball. As the global pandemic continues to raise questions about the future and stability of the job and internship market, 1050 Bascom is reaching out to successful political science alumni to help us navigate these uncertain times. In this episode, we are grateful to have had the opportunity to talk to alumni Sherry Kaiman. Sherry was a consultant in the areas of education, workforce, health and related issues like environmental health, aging, workforce development, social services and is currently a senior advisor at Resolve. She spent over two decades on Capitol Hill, where she held an array of senior legislative positions. Sherry also staffed the 1988 Presidential Commission on the HIV Epidemic and served as the Policy Development Director for the Trust for America's Health. We wanted to ask Sherry about her time on campus, her career consulting, and in government, and to ask her to share with a broader audience the helpful professional development and career advice she's been offering to students for some time. There's so much to talk about. Let's dive right in. First things first, thank you so much for joining us, Sherry. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, This is a real pleasure to be with you, and I think this is just a terrific project. So congrats on being part of an exciting project. Thank you very much. To get us started, do you want to give the listeners just a little bit of insight about yourself and about your career? I certainly will. Uh, First and foremost, uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, I feel, is family. And I made a, I always think that I made a terrific decision uh, in picking the University of Wisconsin. Uh, I never regretted it. I continue to treasure and cherish it. And this will be the first year that I haven't returned to campus since I graduated in 1979. And obviously, we know Uh, why I haven't returned to campus because of what we are all facing right now. But hopefully uh, sometime in 2021, I will be back on campus yet again. And I think everyone who is listening, whether you're a student or whether you're an alum, you will always feel a special place and affinity for Madison, not only because of the tremendous world-class education that you receive there, but also because of the people. For a very large university, it always feels like family. And that's a very rare thing to achieve, whether it be a private school with uh, a smaller student body or uh, a comparable state university. There's just something very different about UW-Madison. And since I departed Madison, I was able to come to Washington, D.C., where I have lived since graduation and have been able to work in the field that I love and in the field that I studied. I'm very fortunate. I was a political science and history major at the university. I have been a very active alum since I graduated and had the privilege of being a member of the political science board of visitors uh, for several years and also uh, chaired the history board uh, of the Board of Visitors as well. And now I just continue to do what I like best, which is talking with students, uh, being a mentor, and also working on special projects when the opportunity arises. So in addition to getting a terrific education that trained me well at the university, I also made use of my time while on campus in seeking internships. And in the era in which I was a student, we did not have someone as wonderful as Amy to help guide us uh, to internships. You were pretty much left on your own to find your own internships and pursue uh, those efforts by yourself. I should let it be known to uh, you and the audience. I unfortunately was not born in the state of Wisconsin. I am a native of Omaha, Nebraska. So I was an out of state student when I came. And the point 
that I, the reason why I'm raising that at this point is because I wanted to get an internship in the state legislature. And that just added another layer of challenge because I didn't have a state representative or a state senator uh, who I could go to when I wanted to get that internship at the Capitol. So I took it upon myself and walked the halls of the state Capitol and uh, spent a lot of time there trying to get an internship in my second semester of my freshman year. And fortunately, the very last office I ended up in was B50 South. And that is the basement of the Capitol for those who are listening. And the state senator who decided he needed some extra free help was Lynn Edelman from Waukesha. And I was very fortunate to have an internship there for uh, the rest of my college career. And that was a tremendous, tremendous help to me. Hopefully I provided some help to him and his staff as well. And in my senior year, because my desire was always to come to Washington, I was a very strange kid. Uh, and I knew in fifth and sixth grade that I wanted to work on Capitol Hill. And I decided in my senior year, even though I'd had this tremendous opportunity with the state legislature, I probably needed to figure out how to get some federal internship experience as well. And I was an intern for Senator William Proxmire. Uh, and at that time in his home office, it, it was located um, where there is now a veterans museum on that corner uh, at the very beginning of State Street, Kitty Corner from the Capitol. So I would intern there three afternoons a week and then continue to work uh, a couple days a week and mornings at the uh, state senator's office across the street. And what was very unusual about the Proxmire internship and why I'm very grateful for it is the interns manned that office. The state director for Proxmire was in that office, but he was always on the road. And so there, the way it worked out, there were two interns. There was myself and there was another intern and you were there by your lonesome. And Senator Proxmire actually conducted the interviews and made the selections for the internships. And to this day, I always say that was the toughest interview I've had thus far in my career. Uh, it was, you had to write an essay and based on the essay, they picked five people for the Senator to interview and he picked two. And I remember walking out of that interview and thinking I had no shot at it, but somehow miracles happen and I was selected and it was a great opportunity. And the reason I wanted to bring that up to all of you and to the listeners is that led me to my very first job upon graduation. Proxmire knew that I wanted to come to Washington. I had decided that I wanted to learn more about drafting legislation, how to write bills, how to write committee reports, how to really understand what a legislative history was about and had applied and got accepted to the Georgetown University paralegal program where I was able to specialize in legislation, but also pick up other skills that would help me as well in terms of legal writing, et cetera. And Proxmire had in those days, and they really don't exist anymore, but something called patronage slots for very senior senators in the United States Senate where they could pick young kids fresh out of college to have part-time jobs either in the Senate document room or in the Senate mail room, the Senate post office. And I had my choice uh, and you would work part-time and you would go to school at night, which is exactly how it worked out. And I decided to uh, take the Senate post office job because I thought that would enable me to travel the halls of the Senate delivering mail and I could give my resume to the offices where I would like to work on my mail route. 
And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Uh, so one of the offices I delivered mail to was Senator Kennedy from Massachusetts. And about a year at the very end of my paralegal job, a little bit past that, they were actually looking for a legislative correspondent, someone who would draft responses to the mail that came in. And I was hired for that position. And that position actually was not within the Kennedy office. It was on the committee uh, staff in which he was the ranking member of the Senate Health and Education Committee. And within that uh, job, Eventually, I was also promoted to be a junior legislative assistant and worked on a number of issues related to health and education, continued to respond to the mail as well. So I did both. And uh, from there, I then moved to another Senate office because I knew there wasn't necessarily room for growth in the Kennedy operation. He had a lot of very brilliant, very qualified senior people who worked there for years. And there was really not a chance for someone in a junior position such as myself to then move up to a mid-level position. So after two years, I moved to another Senate office, uh, a liberal Republican office, uh, something that is extinct these days and uh, has been for a while. And in that office, I became a legislative assistant in the areas of health, education, social services, uh, oversaw all of his, the Senator's appropriations work. He was a senior member of the appropriations committee. And within my time in that particular office, I also uh, became a speechwriter and a assistant press secretary and eventually uh, the legislative director. And during all that time, I continued to work on certain issue areas, health and education. And the reason I mentioned that is I have never given up on uh, trading those issues for taking an administrative type of job. It was always very important to me to be very engaged in the subjects that I really cared about and really thought where I could have some very, very small hand in trying to help people. Uh, unfortunately, in 1986, that senator was defeated in a very, by a very narrow margin, uh, but he was defeated. And in 1986, a lot of people were defeated in that election. And I had to leave Capitol Hill. Jobs were difficult to find at that time. And I moved over to work for a governor from Maryland who had just been elected and worked on that staff uh, in a DC office. So there is something in Washington called the Hall of States. And the Hall of States is located at the very bottom of Capitol Hill. And almost every single state, including Wisconsin, has an office in the Hall of States, and that is a gov the governor's office. Each governor has an office there, it is staffed. And in those offices, you basically serve, the staff does, that's located there, as the lobbyists for the state. And you work with the respective congressional delegations to make sure that when there are bills, legislation going through that could impact the states, funding, could be transportation, uh, you name it. Uh, it's, it's something that's very, very important to each and every state. That staff that serves in those offices are the eyes and ears for the governor in Washington and are constantly working on Capitol Hill with the congressional delegation and working with other offices within the Hall of States to make sure the states get their fair share in legislation. I did that for about a year and then an opportunity came along the way. I was asked to be a staffer for the first presidential commission on the HIV and AIDS epidemic. And 
I always say that was the most interesting job I have ever had. Uh, it's a short term job. It was about a year, but it was fascinating. You learned so much about one particular issue. And what was very rewarding about that experience, AIDS was um, and HIV were very new at the time. Not much was known, but many of the recommendations that were finalized in that report actually became law and some of them exist today. And in fact, some of those laws have often been mentioned or referred to that we probably need to refine some of those because of what we're experiencing in COVID that they pro there probably needs to be some updating on how you work with infectious disease at the federal level. Following that, I did my one lobbying job in life uh, where I wasn't lobbying as a, in a public job as I was in the governor's office. I was a lobbyist for the National Rural Health Association, but I really missed Capitol Hill and wanted to go back and one of the offices where I lobbied, I met a congressman from Wisconsin named Steve Gunderson, and it is the district he had is Ron Kine's district now. And ironically, I went to college with two of Steve Gunderson's siblings. So I had always heard about this brother who was the legislator. And when he graduated uh, Wisconsin, he's several years older than me, he went right from graduation to serve in the assembly uh, in the legislature. And I worked for him for several years, but I really missed the Senate. I think I was spoiled at a very young age uh, working in the Senate. It was much easier to know 100 people than to know 435 names and faces. And another opportunity came along several years later where I returned to the Senate and worked for Senator Jim Jeffords uh, from Vermont. And for those who are history buffs, in 2001, Jim Jeffords did something that no one has done again. And who knows, someone may do it in the future. Jeffords was a liberal Republican but in 2001, he did not like where the Republican Party was going. Uh, it, a lot of us who worked for him say he really set a trend because he saw what was happening with the Republican Party, that it was, in his view, it was not as much of a party for everyone of all walks of life as it once was, and he switched uh, parties. He did not become a Democrat, but he became an independent, but chose to sit on the Democratic side of the aisle in the United States Senate. He uh, gave up a chairmanship um, and he, he switched control of the Senate. And that's what had never been done before. People had switched parties, but they had never done it where the actual power, the control of power in the Senate changed. And he did that. And I worked for him until he retired in January of 2007. And if he were still in the Senate today, I'd still be working for him. He was uh, a wonderful person, tremendous legislator, uh, but unfortunately he is no longer uh, with us. And um, I remained in the Senate uh, after he retired. I went back to working on the Senate Health and Education Committee for a while. Uh, but then I myself saw that the Senate was starting to change a bit um, in terms of not getting as much done as it used to do. And I thought it was time for me to probably depart while the dome still looked shiny. I didn't wanna be bitter when I departed because I loved the Capitol, I loved the work, and I wanted to go out when I still thought very highly of the place. So I exited, went to work for a nonprofit healthcare policy think tank, uh, was a policy director there. And following that, uh, I always miss 
not doing all my subjects at one time. So I had concentrated on health, but I really missed education and workforce. So I then had an opportunity to go work for another nonprofit, uh, Jobs for the Future, and worked on education and workforce issues. But then of course I missed health and I wasn't able to do health. And my current employer, Resolve, which is a nonprofit organization in DC and focuses on helping people come to consensus. Uh, it's a consensus building organization and our clients are foundations, other nonprofits, government agencies who hire us to bring people together to find agreement and also help them with strategic development. They hired me and I've been in that job for close to 11 years now. And that is my resume in a long nutshell. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. That is a honestly a, a fascinating and really, really inspiring story. And I mean, I think uh, we can totally see the through line between you know the professional experience and education uh, at UW Madison, and then how that kickstarted your career with a really you know if I if I may say a, a, a solid amount of go getterism and chutzpah. Um, but I want to kind of go over some of these these episodes and some of the themes from your careers as well, just to maybe unpack it a little bit and get some advice for students. So. One thing that you talked about is that you've held prominent positions in both the government and the private sector. And so I'm kind of wondering, what advice would you have for a student who's trying to figure out whether they want to pursue, say, a policy-related job in the public sector or in the private sector? Um, what would be your thoughts on advising students who might be interested in choosing between these arenas? and? Are these fundamentally different jobs, or are they? Are there enough similarities where really preparing one will prepare you for the other? I think that's a very good question, and it's a, it's. Here's my first uh, simple piece of advice. Maybe not as simple as I think it is. So while I was a student, and I mentioned that I'd had the internships both in the legislature and with the United States Senator, I also did a volunteer project that ended up being a long-term long volunteer opportunity with cerebral palsy uh, in Madison. It was the state of Wisconsin chapter. So it wasn't Dane County, it was the state of Wisconsin chapter. And per the question you just asked, the reason I did that was because I'd always had in my heart that I wanted to work on health issues, but yet I love politics and I love trying to figure out how you can use the political system to further issues, to help people have better health care, have better education, have better transportation, et cetera. So I was very torn. Uh, even though I, I'd always had this dream of working in the Capitol, I was worried I wasn't going to actually have the ability to also work on issues when I was 18 and 19 years old. I was just praying to God I would get a job of doing something in the Capitol. And what I found out is that many of the skills that I had acquired and was acquiring as a student in terms of writing research, oral presentation, organization skills, learning to have your message be delivered to various audiences and how you say the same thing, but you tweak it. Those were skills that I think were enhanced and I learned even more by working at the, in the legislature, working for the US Senator and working at cerebral palsy from answering the phone to working with clients who may needed some type of health equipment. Um, and obviously the same was true when I was working for Senator Proxmire because in all honesty, I researched a little bit for uh, legislative issues, but a bulk of the job was doing casework. And my advice would be that students who are trying to make that decision 
are so fortunate to not only be enrolled at the University of Wisconsin, but to be living in Madison and in the Dane County area, because it is, to me, just so fortunate to have that opportunity to do volunteer work, to have internships in and around Madison. You have your choice. Yes, you probably have to work at it. No one is going to just hand these to you, but how lucky to just be able to walk up to the other end of State Street and all around the Capitol, there are so many offices and now a lot of it is virtual. So you just pick up the phone, you send or you send an email and you connect with these organizations because they're always looking for free help. And particularly in the era, era of COVID and what I'm seeing a lot of in the Washington DC area, and I know it's true in a number of other areas when I talk to friends, is a lot of these organizations are looking for a lot of free help because they are having such a bombardment of people who need services. Um, so uh, that would be my advice for, for folks who are listening and are trying to determine what they wanna do. I'd say try and volunteer in all those arenas and see where your heart leads you. And it may be where they converge. Um, I have to say, I think the time that I was in and out of government and working in nonprofits and working in the areas and subject areas that I loved, I learned a lot that helped me in the legislative area and vice versa. When I was working in the legislative area, a lot of that has helped me as I'm now pretty much in the nonprofit sector and, and will probably remain there until I decide to retire. I see. So then maybe you're a, a big piece of advice that you would offer to both UW-Madison undergrads who are aspiring to either get on the Hill or then in government or the public sector in general, but then also maybe the private sector would be to really take advantage of all the opportunities uh, in both of those sectors that are available in Madison and, you know, really within walking distance of campus to both, A, test the waters of these areas of these fields and figure out which ones, I guess, a little bit, a little bit warmer than the other for them and B to kind of build those professional experiences, the resume and those connections as well. Is, is that fair to say? Yes. And in fact, uh, whenever I talk to students, I always tell them to do that um, because it is just such a plus and it really gives you a leg up when you decide what you wanted to upon graduation. To have that experience um, is just a imp very important factor on a resume. As I learned, I hoped it would be as a student. And when I started looking for jobs upon graduation, uh, I really realized how lucky I had been to have made that decision to really take advantage of what was offered in Madison, not only on campus, but off campus in the nonprofit and governmental sectors. I see, I see. And that's all, I think, really good advice and, and quite fascinating to be frank. Um, but also I wanna shift a little bit and talk about some of your time with the uh, 1988 Presidential Commission on the HIV epidemic. and. You, know, you mentioned a little bit and talked about your time on there and some of the day-to-day -day work, but how did the opportunity to be on that commission come about? Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on uh, how you eventually came into that position? Yes, and that's also a, an excellent question. I can, it's an illustration of how important having a number of contacts, staying in touch with them, and living in somewhat of a small world works. I think a, a lot of us, and I certainly uh, had been one of them, uh, you look at, as you're watching politics unfold on TV, um, and it looks like, my goodness, there's so many different people involved. Uh, no wonder they can't ever get their act together. There are just so many names being thrown at you. What, 
you know, everywhere. And I think what is fascinating about it is it's not as uh, big of a world as it looks. A lot of people know one another, uh, especially when you work in similar subject areas. So the person who became the executive director of that commission happened to be a person who I knew from the Senate. She had been the staff director for the education subcommittee, uh, which was a subcommittee on the health and education and labor committee on which I worked. And she called me up uh, when I was at the rural health job and she told me that she had decided to leave uh, her job as um, being the staff director of the subcommittee and she'd been there a long time. And I said, why would you do that? And you work for such a nice person. She worked for a wonderful um, Senator, actually the predecessor to Senator Jeffords. Um, and it, his name was Senator Stafford. And if any of you have heard about Stafford loans, he's the one who uh, created them. And she said, well, Stafford is going to retire. And she said, I was just asked to be the um, executive director of the Presidential Commission on HIV, and you need to work there. Don't give me yes, don't give me maybe, don't give me no, you need to come in, you need to talk to me, you need to meet a couple of the commissioners, you need to go work there. And uh, I thought her work is quality work. She wouldn't, I knew she wouldn't take a job that was going to go to a dead end. So I came in for an interview and I was hired. Um, and uh, I always say it was one of the best decisions that I ever made because I learned so much about so many things, how a commission works, but I also learned a lot about how the system, the health system was not prepared either at the federal level or the state level, or quite frankly, at the nonprofit level to help people who uh, were going to uh, unfortunately get a, a horrible infectious disease. And a lot of the issues, as I mentioned earlier, that came up in that commission and the recommendations we wrote about are the very same issues that we're facing today on COVID in terms of rapid testing, uh, in terms of discrimination, in terms of the healthcare system being stretched to the ends of the earth and not being able to serve people. And what was uh, very interesting about it is that's when Dr. Fauci uh, was, uh, had just been hired at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. He um, had been a researcher there, but he became the director of that institute during that time that I was on the commission. And his wife was uh, a staffer and in fact worked in my little pod uh, on the issues that I worked on for the commission. So it's a very, very small world. And I think that's what's important for students and alumni who may be listening to this podcast to remember how small the world is and how important it is to stay connected to people uh, and have those connections, not only for career growth, but also those people end up being more times than not very good friends. I am so impressed by these stories that you have, you know, a lot of the time on these career conversations, we talk about um, the importance of networking and the importance of, you know, knowing the people that you do know. And I think that that is just, you know, like another testament to the importance of that and the importance of really keeping, uh, you know, the connections that you make, especially in college, in your back pocket. And continuing this conversation on, you know, advice that uh, you have for students, what are some things that you wish you had known in college, like about the career path that you would take? Yeah, what are some things in college that you wish you would have known then and that would have helped you on your path as it has developed so far? Well, it's a, it's a very good question because I was actually um, answering this question earlier today uh, to uh, somebody was asking me 
um, some advice. It was someone who had, uh, unfortunately, their nonprofit is shutting down um, because of COVID. And they were asking, how, how do you prepare for something like that? And I said, well, a good stint in politics uh, certainly prepares you for that. Um, the one thing I wish I would have given a lot more consideration to, um, and I've been very, very fortunate on the way, luck has to play a, a big role in life, is when I was not prepared for my senator who I was working for in the 1980s to lose an election. Uh, never, we never saw it coming. He was up by 10 points on the day of the election. Uh, I basically thought I was going to be in that job for a good while. He was uh, in his 60s at the time. He was in very good shape. I thought he would easily serve at least another term. So I had nothing to go to um, when that defeat happened. It was a crushing defeat. It was never expected. Um, you first have to go through all of that grief because you start to think why as a staffer, maybe you could have done something, but then you, you have to realize, oh my God, I have to get a paycheck as well. And maybe this wasn't such a good career choice. Um, and I wish I would have been a little more prepared and I think that's I think that's very hard to do when you're in your early 20s. Um, when you're 20, 21, you think you're invincible, uh, and everything's going to work out just fine. Um, and I wish I would have given some thought to that. As it turned out, I was lucky and got a job right away. Um, but that's the one thing in particular is you better always have. Uh, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. That is certainly excellent advice. Um, you know, not just applicable to uh, working life, but also just being a student and being a person. Very true. Yeah. Very, very true. A lot of students are also wondering, you know, what kinds of skill sets they should be developing in their classes and in their extracurriculars and in their internships that are really going to set them up for success in, you know, these public and private service jobs, um, many like that you have held yourself. Do you have any recommendations on what students should really key in on, like what certain skill sets they should hone in order to find success? Yes, and in fact, there are skill sets that I continue to work on to this very day. Uh, you have to, one, um, be very versatile if you're going to, and I don't think it matters what career you're going into. I think particularly we're seeing a lot, we've seen a lot of that in the last couple of years. I think the virus has made it even more prominent is you better be able to go with the flow. If someone says, today you're going to be working, and I'll use myself as an example here. Well, this morning, I and this is a true story, I woke up thinking that I was going to be writing a proposal today uh, for a grant that we're going to be applying for the deadlines in a few weeks. And I was told this morning, uh, no, we need you to pinch it for somebody um, to help on uh, a meeting, a Zoom meeting today. Uh, and it was on a subject I knew nothing about. So you just, in that circumstance, you have to hope and pray you have enough information from what you continue to read that will help you. And hopefully it went okay. Um, so, uh, I use that as an example, and one, very important to be versatile, but also to really keep up with everything in the news. Um, whatever your medium is, uh, whether you're reading newspapers online, whether you're getting news feeds, um, it's really very important to track what is going on in the news if you're going to work in this type of environment, in the, the political environment, whether it be 
in policy, whether it be on the administrative end, whether it be in a nonprofit, yeah, better know what's happening in the world. And that's becoming more, it was very important when I started out in, in my career. It's even more important now. Uh, very essential to have oral communication and not only to be able to communicate with people, but also to be a good listener. I am struck by the fact more and more, and it doesn't matter what age, it can be young, it can be middle age, it can be older people, how there are fewer and fewer people who are actually listening to a conversation and pivot. They come into a conversation, they have their one idea, so-and-so sitting right next to them may have, whether it be in a room or in a Zoom meeting, they have just said the exact same thing they did. That person doesn't hear it, repeats it, and doesn't even acknowledge that the other person said it. Um, or how to pivot from something that was said and think about, well, maybe my idea needs to be a little bit different. Maybe I need to refine it a little more. So communication to me is not only being able to present, it has to be to be a very good listener. Very, very important. Writing skills, very important. Uh, and being able to research and knowing what you're looking for and to really home in on the what you want. You can do thousands of hours and spend them in Helen C. Wire Memorial Library or other libraries on campus. But if you don't really get down to what you wanna research and what that nugget is that you're trying to find, um, that will end up being a problem for you, not only on campus, it will end up being a problem for you in whatever assignment you end up getting, maybe in your first job. Um, so really start to try and figure out what it is that you really want to research. What is the assignment that's been given to you and how you really work with that. Also learn to be an independent worker. And I think we, as students, you know what you gotta do. And in some of your classes, um, you've got your writing assignments that are due at a certain time. You've got your tests due at a certain time. You've got reading that you've got to do. Uh, you can go at your own pace. You've got your deadlines. The same is true if you're working in the public or private sector in politics or social services. You have, it's, it's a lot like college. I know that by Friday of this week, and this is also true, I've got a major paper I've got to get done. Um, so, figure it out, learn how to manage your time. That's the, the one very important thing that I think you learn very quickly in your first semester of being a freshman in college. You better manage your time. And if you don't, you're probably not gonna be there very long. Uh, and I would also say what is something that I think is very, helpful to know is when, and I think the university does a tremendous job in letting students become very good researchers, become very good writers, become very good presenters in terms of oral communication. And I think all of that enables you to know who your audience is going to be, how you message and communicate to your audience. When you write a paper, it's to the TA, to the professor. When you leave college, it could be to a few bosses. It could be to a senator. It could end up being to the United States of America. Uh, it could end up being to a large uh, organization and its membership. Um, and that also could end up being to the United States of America or also internationally. So really try and remember who your audience is and how you wanna communicate with that audience. 
I think those are all really, really great considerations and, uh, you know, some really important soft skills that maybe through, you know, a little bit of a different perspective or different considerations. Um, yeah, I, I, I think definitely people will be able to develop if they're a little bit mindful on it. Um, but, you know, we're kind of running low on time here, but I, and I want to make sure that we're respectful of, of that for you. But I do want to ask about how work and life balance is working in your life as you know, that's becoming a major issue for millennials and Generation Z who have been raised in a social media world where it's kind of hard to establish boundaries between where your work life ends and where your personal life begins. And some say that the pandemic might have even made this worse given that we're all working at home. You know, this computer, this desk where I'm sitting at doing this interview is the same one where I socialize with friends and also take my online courses. So I'm wondering what advice do you have in general and especially during the pandemic for carving out time for work and carving out some time for leisure or family or friends so we can keep our sanity and balance with it? Uh, that is a, a, a very important and maybe the most important question of, of the day. Um, it has gotten a lot tougher during the pandemic. I will say my work balance when I worked on Capitol Hill and during the era I worked on Capitol Hill was not good. I was always at work. Uh, it was just the nature of the beast at the time. That has drastically changed in terms of, of the Hill. And the reason the change is uh, we were always cranking out legislation. It's just the, you know, as of now, it, it's, it goes through waves. During my era of working on the Hill for 25 years, we just, you were always getting legislation done and it was in the wee hours of the morning. That's just how it, it went. Um, we're now in a period of time where not so much legislation is getting done. So people have a little bit of a more normal life, but I suspect that will change yet again. Uh, in terms of the pandemic, it is, it has gotten much, much worse. Um, and I know as stu for students, it's the same thing. It's, I'm sitting at my computer, I'm sitting in my um, office space um, and uh, it's gotten old very quickly. Uh, Zoom meetings are, are it's, it's wonderful be to be able to carry out your job if this had happened even 10 years ago we probably wouldn't all be sidelined. We, I would not be employed probably. I'd probably be on furlough. So I am grateful for that opportunity. Um, my advice is, and I think this applies whether you're a full-time student, part-time student, or you're working, um, such as myself, is I do my best every morning before I start work to go out for a walk and and exercise. I think that's really, really important. Um, I try to also do that in the middle of the afternoon as well for sanity, uh, because um, with COVID and uh, unfortunately you all know it too well, um, is you don't get out very much. You don't get to go many places. You're kind of confined to your neighborhood. And I'm very fortunate. I live in a terrific neighborhood and I have always valued it. And I have to say, in the midst of the pandemic, I always say, well, at least I have a great neighborhood I'm living in because I can't go um, too many places. And just for all of you to know, DC, uh, not much is open in DC. So all of downtown and the Capitol is, uh, it is just empty. There's just 95% um, of the people who work in the downtown and Capitol Hill area are working from home. Um, so, and not for restaurants, uh, very few are open. Uh, most of it is outside dining. We have very, very strict policies in DC, um, but it's also served us well because right now our positive our COVID positivity rate is very low and I've always lived in the District of Columbia since I graduated college. That is all 
excellent advice and excellent things to take away from this. Do you have any parting words as we're finishing up today? My parting words are, I think uh, all of you are very lucky to be in college now, even though there's COVID. I think it's just a great, a great opportunity because I think you're going uh, to come out of this with even more skills than all those who preceded you. I also think you're going to be able to go more with the flow because of this experience. It will have toughened you. You will realize some things really aren't worth worrying about. Um, and I think you will be prepared to do whatever it is that you wanna do. My final final uh, thing that I would like to say is to thank both of you. Um, thank you to Amy. And I also want to say, if any students um, would like to get in touch with me, uh, Amy has my contact information. I am happy to talk with any and all students about their interest in perhaps coming to Washington, uh, wanting to work in a nonprofit, wanting to work on Capitol Hill, trying to determine what they want to do. They may have some interest in politics, some interest in social services. Uh, I really welcome talking to students. And if any students want to get in touch with me, as I said, Amy has my contact information and she is free to give it out. And I would also encourage people who may have an interest, but are kind of concerned about coming to Washington. Washington is a, is a terrific place to live. It can be expensive, but we have noticed during COVID that rents have come down. Um, and because a lot of people have decided not to live in Washington, but it is a beautiful city, a lot of diversity, a lot of international culture. And there are a lot of things when uh, things are open in the city, and we hope that will be sooner than later, a lot of free things to do for entertainment. All the Smithsonian museums are free. There are a lot of free concerts. There are beautiful pathways to bike and to walk. Uh, to me, it's, it's a lot like Madison, but it's a little warmer. There you've got it. It's definitely warmer. Thank you so much for all of the amazing advice and you know, teachings that you provided for us today, Sherry. Well, thank you very, very much for having me. And uh, you both have done a terrific job. And I'm ready to uh, see you on a talk show when you graduate. For more information about 1050 Bascom, visit polysci.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. 1050 Bascom is edited by Adam Wigger and Sam Beisman, produced by Amy Gangle and recorded remotely for now.